0: It's just fun to do, fun to have people listen. Yeah. Goofy old, good old, uh (laughs) uh-oh. I'm good. I made it. Survived. Walk it off. Yeah. (laughs) And welcome to Super Duperstitious, the paranormal podcast about the science
1: behind the strange. I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And it is an episode that we are doing again. (laughs) Okay, so I see now why you always get into that particular... I I was making fun of you for saying we're back every week that we're back, because obviously we're back if we're talking, but it is reflexive when you get to that point after the introductions. We're back,
0: baby. If you're hearing our voice, (laughs) it can only mean one thing. The show where we talk about
1: spooky, strange, mysterious phenomena, try and break them down through a scientific perspective- and uh, oh, yeah. that's kind of the thing. We have, uh, I, yeah, we're back again, like I said, as far as an episode <laughs> we're doing again, because we are doing a a series we've been doing.
0: Yes. Something that I've previously referred to as the ultimate perversion, <laughs> which I'm actually now thinking I might demote to just a uh, penultimate perversion. <laughs> um, but this is, of course, a barrel of content that is certain to go incompletely tapped until at least 22 more episodes. <laughs> that's right. But before we actually introduce the name of that episode, (laughs) I do actually have something I
1: want to surprise you with, Wyatt, which is an update on the Phantom of the Chicago. (laughs) For anyone who's listening for the first time, or who hasn't listened in a while, or who has terrible memory, the Phantom of the Chicago is what we call the series of weird sightings in the greater Chicago area of uh, flying humanoid, bat-like creatures, often with glowing red eyes. Some may refer to it as flesh-like. Yes, that have been seen uh, largely. Like The big uh, like burst of sightings happened in the summer of 2017, which is how I found this in the first place, because that was when we started the show, hence that being the topic for episode two that I uh, covered. And we've been covering it for 150 more episodes. Years. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, good. it's been going on a long, long time. A lawn, lawn time as well. Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters.com usually is the guy who covers this stuff. Uh, also, quite frequently, we get stuff from his collaborators, Manuel Navarrete of UFO Clearinghouse, uh, Tobias and Emily Wayland of Singular Forty Society, some others as well. These folks and few others make up the Phantoms and Monsters Research uh, Task Force, I think they call themselves. Oh. <laughs> Today's update comes broadly from that kind of amalgamation group in the form this time of a youtube video i will link to if people are interested i don't really recommend it i'll be honest i did not watch it (laughs) it's an hour-long episode of Lon's show arcane radio and i did actually give it a shot when it was live on november 5th wow i simply did not have the time and certainly did not have the patience to sit through the whole thing fair enough but i've i've just spent all this time table setting where am i going with this (laughs) yeah the team believes that they have made a major breakthrough in the case of winged humanoid sightings oh boy something beyond the population explosion of eagles in 2017 even beyond the enormous amount of confirmation bias and just straight up bullshit that has come from their massive focus on the phenomenon ah so this is not their copy then (laughs) no (laughs) can you guess what their discovery is Wyatt that UFOs Basically, they're extra, yeah, they're, they're extra-dimensional beings that have an important <laughs> message for humanity. So obvious. Oh uh, and true to phantoms and monsters form, they already have quite a dramatic name for them as well. So here is the description for the event they I'm put out. I'm very excited. Carry on. Here is an actual quote that is their copy. After the July 22nd winged humanoid sighting at O'Hare International Airport, it soon became apparent that these unknown beings wanted to make contact with us. As mm. a result members of the Phantoms and Monsters 40 and research team, the, the name changes a bunch, uh, started to receive revelations from, quote-unquote, the Unseen Ones.
0: Okay, but they're seen. That's the whole point, right? That we see them. That's why we know they're there.
1: Yeah, it's unclear. This species of ultra-terrestrial entities have a story to tell us. Little by little. Ultra-terrestrial?
0: <laughs> Does that mean they're extremely from Earth? <laughs> I,
1: I don't think. They, they throw around different names for stuff. Ultimately, they end up saying that they don't like being called aliens or UFOs or anything like that, uh, and they consider themselves, they're in a, a linear dimension that uh, runs alongside ours, but is, is terrestrial itself, but it's just, they should call it, I don't know, not ultra-terrestrial, I'm not sure, but...
0: Paradimensional?
1: But maybe. But Anyway, little by little, their message is coming forth, both intuitively and visually. Please okay. join us for this exclusive look into the long history of interaction between our factions and to capture a glimpse of what we can expect in the future. So what are your thoughts on that so far, Wyatt?
0: So far, I'm getting major pivot into Joanna vibes with this uh, post. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I am sorry for it because it's kind of uh, the final final tearing off of the loincloth into madness, but at the same time, I'm happy for it because for the same reason... Uh, lon strickler and his people are perhaps now fully embracing what they've always been they're
1: able to fully become what they were always meant to be
0: yes so the episode of
1: arcane radio that this all comes from was hosted as always by lon himself and it featured bernadette mcdaniel and jennifer elsner okay like i said i did try to partake but oof Yeah, Uh, I I watched along for a little while and then the live stream comment section was at the same time also in lockstep with the particular brand of what was being doled out. Uh, Mm. So it took every ounce of restraint I could muster not to comment. What the shitting fuck are you all talking about? (laughs) So instead, I just closed out of the out of the video and uh, and called it a day. Luckily, Mm -hmm. YouTube does have the option to read the transcript of its automatically generated closed captions. So I dug into those. Oh, boy. Skimming through, I learned that the unseen ones are insectoids. They belong to a matriarchal society and thus will only communicate with human women.
0: Yes. Okay. Right.
1: Just because women are bugs. (laughs) Right. They talk to Bernadette in her head telepathically when when she looks at them in her backyard. Always,
0: Always a good sign. Yep.
1: And they talk to Jennifer through the sound of pressure equalizing in her ear canal. The ones that have been making themselves seen are juveniles who are testing the waters of our dimension to see if it's safe to make contact with us. So generally they aren't actually visible, but when they have been recently choosing to make themselves visible, uh, those have been the younger ones who are doing that to kind of see
0: what it's like here, see if they can become our friends. This is a classic true contact kind of stuff. Right. You know, limited to one or two people, Mm -hmm. pretty, um, you know, autonomic mode of communication, which is to say that uh, you hear it in your head, I mean, it reminds me of other scientists from the past, like Joan of Arc or, you know.
1: A second example.
0: Or a second example. uh, People who, yeah, can pull this off well. Carry on.
1: So here's a sample exchange from the first half of the video. This is a quote of an exchange that was had. Here's another question. Why are the juvenile ones hanging out at O'Hare? Is it near a portal? Yes, yeah, well, I, I knew you were going to say that. Absolutely, yeah. The portal is in the middle of... Well, there are two main ones in the area. There's one in front of Lakeshore Drive in Lake Michigan, and there's one at the West Haven Cemetery. So we've got two main portals in the Chicago area. Wow. So yeah, I think that explains I think that explains everything, really. We've been wondering for four years now how this has all happened. There's just there's a couple portals there. Uh, that's why it's all happening. Simple there. as that. He seems yeah.
0: almost like frustrated that they would ask such an obvious question.
1: Uh, he's the one, I think, who asked the question.
0: Wait, um, who was the one answering the question?
1: I, it was Jennifer or Bernadette. I couldn't tell from just the text. But he was interviewing oh, them,
0: yeah. Whoever answered the questions seemed yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got the portals, dude. Obviously, that's why they're hanging around. Like, over I, I, there. I
1: knew you were going to ask that. Like I could tell. Also, I think to some extent too, just from the context of who these people are and what they're saying. I think her knowing he was going to say that was also like a that it was obvious to her that that was an answer, and b she could probably intuit from him that that was where he was going with it because that's indeed. How probably
0: work she with. heard like a pop in her ear, and she was like, oh. <laughs> well, I think I mean only one thing they can do is set up all of the recording devices around those places right i'm sure that's what they're going to do next totally uh they're
1: definitely not going to just continue to pop their ears and look into the darkness
0: of their yard and you know what i prefer to call use their imagination <laughs> right
1: so the main thing i wanted to pull out of all this is uh is just the specific patterns we always see in i guess we'll call it this community of people i don't know um so you call it new age belief or woo woo or uh, you said whatever whatever joanna's deal i used to before to harken back to episode 19 but uh the main things that always come up are a completely unchecked level of credulity and an insistent yes and response to everything so that was one of the things that was happening in like the the live stream comments as they were going on people were saying this like madness in the video that i just had to like kind of zone out from because it i my brain just couldn't handle what they were saying and then meanwhile in the chat people were saying oh yeah i've been talking to them too like i had like they said so, told me this and like they're really nice and someone was like oh yeah i had like everyone wants to be part of it and have their own version and almost one up each other with their level of connection and stuff and uh yeah which i i think means we just are that much more in need of the fire killer to come back to us once again it's been a while we, we miss. We him. need him back. Yeah. If um, anyone, anyone hopefully. out there? I think last we knew he was headed. He was headed west. So, I think we last heard from him in January of 2020. Wow. I hope he and the T1000 are still out there on their way. I think what, he was going to fight some
0: dinosaurs. Was it something like this? Right. <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil too much of that. Everyone should check this out on the field reports online on our page. Right. Um, and if anyone has seen uh sean wayne cool
1: out there uh you, you'll know if you see him he is one one heck of a specimen of of that's human right. masculinity and um yeah please do send word that he's doing okay but that's that's my update <laughs> it's, hot
0: damn I well i as much as it is frustrating to hear that these folks are getting in the way of this phenomenon i'm hoping that we will get better truer reports of the fandom of the chicago soon enough i hope so too <laughs> uh
1: but now finally i can shut up and we can indeed actually get into the main show and you'll be up first as in a segment called
0: episode three college state creepies <laughs> so we first covered yeah
1: wh- where we were born where we've lived stuff like that so we're just going through different states we have lived in for starters because i guess we just decided to and uh, now we're doing the same we and-
0: as jake knows i went to school at bard college along the old hudson river in new york mm-hmm. state so new york state will be my state today and the Hudson River is a beautiful area, that for whatever reason, has always given me the heebie-jeebies big time. We talked about this kind of recently, like how I was able to we confirm
1: have. independently that I I drove through there one time with Lauren. We went up the Taconic Parkway. We ended up actually actually saw the sign like in the front of Bard College on campus. And oh, there you go. I was like, oh, that's where Wyatt went. But the whole drive through there and stuff is
0: just really spooky. It's cool, but it's spooky. It's it's truly beautiful, but there's. I've been to a few other places, at least in North America, that have given me such a truly just haunted feeling. There's just a vibe about it for whatever reason. Several heebies and quite a few jeebies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'll get them in abundance. The Hudson River Valley itself has a very long and storied history, um, certainly since folks from Europe came on over and started setting up shop on these lands. And uh, appropriately, appropriately enough, perhaps, was evidently also creepy enough to inspire Washington Irving mm. to write a pair of spooky American classics, mm-hmm. The Legend of Rip Van Winkle and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, way back in the 1800s. So while these aren't exactly true phenomena or things that people have experienced or continue to experience to this day, uh, Sleepy Hollow is absolutely... A real town in New York. Um, in fact, Irving is buried there. Oh, And uh, as we'll find, aspects of the story may go back even further than the early 1800s.
1: I actually didn't realize that Sleepy Hollow was anywhere near that part of the state when I was there. But while we were driving through, I just felt like this is major Sleepy Hollow vibes
0: going through here. I was like oh That's no so it's cuz it's
1: actually where it fucking is so that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and and surprisingly I feel like Sleepy Hollow is quite close to New York City proper. It's uh just maybe, you know, 20 30 miles north. Oh, okay. North enough that you're away, but still closer than I had thought. Hmm. Um but that'll be the core of my segment today telling a massively and weirdly abridged version of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow uh, Which I've edited and abridged even further Wow In the high hills of New York State Hides a quiet valley known as Sleepy Hollow Just down the road from Sleepy Hollow Is a village called Tarrytown And incidentally it's just about a mile away Settled many years ago By people from Holland Tarrytown had a small school And one teacher named Ichabod Crane Crane was a fitting name For he was an uncommonly tall and thin man with uh, small shoulders that joined two lanky arms. His head was small and flat on top. He had big ears, large, glassy green eyes, and a long nose. Ichabod did not make much money as a teacher. Tall and thin as he was, Ichabod had a voracious appetite. To help himself pay for his food, he earned extra money teaching people to sing every Sunday after church. Among the crowd Ichabod taught was one Katrina von Tassel, Katrina was the only daughter of a rich Dutch farmer, and she was both beautiful and available. Ichabod had a soft and foolish heart for the ladies, and soon found himself quite taken by Miss Van Tassel. One day, heading past the Van Tassel farm, Ichabod was stunned to see the riches of that family. Miles of apple trees and wheat fields and hundreds of fat farm animals. Mm -hmm. He suddenly saw himself as master of the farm, with Katrina as his wife. There was just one key problem blocking the road to Katrina's heart. A strong young man named Brom Van Brunt. That's quite the name. <laughs> Brom was a hero to all the young ladies. His shoulders were big. His back was wide.
1: No one's slick like Van Brunt. No one's as quick as Van Brunt. No <laughs> yeah, one's exactly. as incredibly thick as Van Brunt.
0: <laughs> and a similar note. He always won the horse races in Terrytown and earned many prizes. He could spit the furthest <laughs> and he could come the hardest. <laughs> that's just for you brahm was never seen without a horse sometimes late at night brahm and his friends would rush through the town shouting loudly from the backs of their horses and tired old ladies would awaken from their sleep and say why there goes brah van brunt leading his wild group again i made it sound really appreciative like (laughs) they got up and they were like that old (laughs) so-and-so such was the competition ichabod had to overcome for katrina's heart but ichabod had a plan he could not fight brahm openly so he set about making many visits to katrina's farm slowly and steadily courting her as he helped her learn how to sing which isn't creepy at all also
1: how long does it take to learn how to sing it's like okay you know how you talk
0: do They're that right. on notes blah time passed and the townspeople noticed that ichabod and katrina's relationship was starting to strengthen <laughs> brahm's horse was never seen at katrina's house on sunday nights anymore. You know, the night everyone likes to fuck. Eventually, Ichabod was asked to come to a big party at the Van Tassel home one chilly autumn evening. He dressed in his best clothes, and a farmer loaned him an old horse for the long trip to the party. The house was filled with farmers and their wives, red-faced daughters, and clean, washed sons. <laughs> the tables were filled with different things to eat, and wine filled many glasses. Braun van brunt rode to the party on his fastest horse called daredevil and all the young ladies smiled happily when they saw him soon music filled the rooms and everyone began to dance and sing those who knew how to sing anyway yeah exactly the, the room just sounded horrifying <laughs> <laughs> ichabod was all too happy to dance with katrina as brahm looked on from the side of the room the night carried on the music eventually stopped And soon, the young people sat together to tell stories about the Revolutionary War, which at this time was probably not that long ago. Mm. Tales at last turned to Sleepy Hollow, the fearsome rider looking for his lost head. One farmer told how he raced the headless man on a horse. The farmer ran his horse faster and faster, but the horsemen had followed at pace over bush and stone till they came to the end of the valley. There, the farmer had crossed an old covered bridge to the church, and the headless horseman had suddenly stopped his chase. When the farmer had glanced back, gone were the horseman's clothes and skin. All that was left were white bones in the shape of a man shining in the moonlight. Mm -hmm. The stories ended, and time came to leave the party. Ichabod seemed very happy until he said goodnight to Katrina. It was later murmured that she was ending their romance. Ichabod left feeling very sad. Had Katrina just been seeing him to make Bron Van Brunt jealous enough to marry her? Ichabod began his long ride home on the hills that surrounded Terrytown, even though it's only about a mile away, and he had never <laughs> felt so lonely in his life. He began to whistle as he came close to the tree where a man had been killed years ago by rebels. How do you whistle sadly, I wonder? Oh, I could try it. <laughs> just then, he thought he saw something white move in the woods. But no, it was only the moonlight shining on a tree as it swayed in the breeze. Then he heard a noise. His body shook. He kicked his horse faster. The old horse tried to run, but almost fell in the river instead. When Ichabod hit the horse again, the old beast took off before coming to a sudden stop, almost throwing Ichabod forward to the ground. There in the dark woods on the other side of the river where the bushes grew low stood an ugly thing. Big and black It did not move But seemed ready to jump Like a giant monster Mm -hmm. Ichabod's hair stood straight up But it was too late to run And in his fear he did the only thing he could His shaking voice Broke the silent valley (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? The thing did not answer Ichabod asked again I say, who's there? I think it's pretty safe to assume that he had a Ross Gellar voice. Yeah. (laughs) I say, who's there? (laughs) Still no answer. Ichabod's old horse began to move forward. The black thing began to move along the side of Ichabod's horse in the dark, following just beyond clear view. Ichabod made his horse run faster, but the black thing moved with them. Side by side they moved, slowly at first, and not a word was said. At last, they moved above the shadow of the trees. For just a moment, the moon shone down clearly from behind the clouds, and, to Ichabod's horror, he watched as the shadow dissolved into the form of a large, dark horse with a rider mounted. Looking up from the furious steed, Ichabod recoiled to see that the rider's head was not on his body, but was instead resting on the back of the horse. Hmm. Terror gripped Ichabod as he kicked and hit his old horse with all his power, they rushed, not fast enough, away through brushes and trees across the valley of Sleepy Hollow, the rider just behind. Up ahead, Ichabod could see the dim outline of the old church bridge where the farmer had said the headless horseman quits his pursuit. "'If only I can get there first, I'm safe,' thought Ichabod. He kicked his horse again. The horse jumped onto the bridge and raced over it like the sound of thunder. Ichabod looked back to see if the headless man had stopped.' He saw the man pick up his head and throw it toward him, the ghoulish thing flying at him with unnatural force. Villagers happened upon Ichabod's borrowed horse the next day, peacefully eating grass. But try as they might, they could not find Ichabod. They set about searching all through the valley. They found the deep hoofprints of Ichabod's horse, tracing a desperate race across the valley. They even found Ichabod's old hat in the dust near the bridge but they did not find Ichabod. The only other item of note was found by Ichabod's hat, broken pieces of a round orange pumpkin. The townspeople talked about Ichabod for many weeks after. They remembered the frightening stories of the valley, and gradually they came to believe that the headless horseman had carried Ichabod away. Much later, an old farmer returned from a visit to New York City. He said he was sure he saw Ichabod there, and figured Ichabod had quietly left Sleepy Hollow because he had lost Katrina. As for Katrina, her mother and father gave her a big wedding when she married Brom Van Brunt. Many people who went to the wedding saw that Brom smiled whenever Ichabod's name was spoken, and they wondered why he laughed out loud when anyone talked about the broken orange pumpkin found lying near Ichabod's old dusty hat. But that's a tale for another time. Mm-hmm. So, nice bit of ambiguity at the end. Yeah. Let's it's us fun. all decide for ourselves if he ran away, was actually destroyed by a supernatural force, <laughs> or even perhaps even more nefariously, was maybe murdered by Brahm. <laughs> <laughs> Kinda
1: leaves a space for it. Yeah. I do like that because I, I remember I remember all the beats of the story from from hearing it so many times growing up and stuff, but I uh yeah, I had it in my head that it it really made it more explicit at the end. Like, Oh yeah, it was Brahm. Chasing Ichabod to scare this version him through a pumpkin. This one's actually nice and uh, unclear on that, so it actually leaves it leaves more to the imagination,
0: which is which is nice. Exactly. Um, yeah. So classic, classic spooky seasonal treat. We're definitely in pumpkin season. We're in pumpkin season. It's the time of year. This is maybe a bit of a uh, late entrant for the the Oktoberfest. <laughs> spooktacular.
1: that's yeah, I mean, we got another week until Thanksgiving. It's still pumpkin time up through then. Anyway.
0: There, there you go. And I guess just briefly for today, uh whatever Ichabod's fate, and as essentially American as this story may feel, uh the image of a fearsome headless horseman has much deeper roots, if anything, almost mm. certainly an import to the Americas from the UK, much as oh. so much of the Northeast is. <laughs> yes, exactly. I heard they call it New England. Yes, yes. Some some have called it that in the past. <clears throat> but I have just a couple examples for today one is the irish concept of a dullahan and the english tale of the green knight Mm. and i will describe each in brief the dullahan or dark man and no not that dark man uh if you remember the i want to say 90s action horror with um Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Thank you. Yeah, yes. he was like we're all covered in like rags and stuff, and it's because he gets so badly burned, and somehow him getting super burned gets him, makes him much stronger. <laughs> yeah. um, Boy, that's a deep cut that I'm. I'm pleased we both.
1: both <laughs> yeah. <do>. And <laughs> right,
0: Liam Neeson's Irish. It all ties together. Perfect. There it is. The Diuahan is very much at first blush similar to Irving's Horseman. Um I would wager is perhaps even a direct inspiration for the tale. He is a headless, demonic fairy, usually riding a horse and carrying his head under his arm. Hmm. Um, and to say fairy, in this sense, is just to say spirit of any kind. Right. It gets much darker from there. Dulahan evidently wields a human spine as a whip, in some telling. Jesus. Much like Irving's horseman, the Dulahan is sometimes said to have been a soldier in his previous life, having lost his head in battle. Uh, the headless horseman is said to have lost his head during the Revolutionary War. Right. Um, and in some tellings, the Dullahan has already found his head and is just riding around to mess up other people's evenings.
1: Thoughts so far on this, Jake? Yeah, I think I've heard parts of this before. I, it all sounds familiar. It's a lot of different weird horse. I think I was mixing up um, it was the Scottish... Uh, is it Scottish or maybe it's also Irish? thing. it's like a a person fused to the back of a horse and none of them have skin
0: and they're oh really God. horrifying. So I'm glad it's not that one. The English... Had their own version of an unli- uh, I always said unlikable, I would say unlikable, of an unkillable headless horseman in the form of the Green Knight. Mm. I uh, still have to see the recent A24 release, The Green Knight. I've heard it's good. That's I have all I've heard. Yeah. Um, which tells this tale, but The Green Knight itself is a giant figure from the 14th century Arthurian poem, Sir Gawain, and The Green Knight, as you might expect. As you also may have guessed, this figure is called The Green Knight because he's real green (laughs) yes skin and his clothes uh quite green and this coloring carries a lot of meaning which has puzzled literary scholars pretty much since the character's inception Hmm. uh as it can justifiably represent almost anything from figures of celtic mythology all the way to the devil himself which we i think in our contemporary times associate the devil with the color red but there was a good chunk there where the devil was a green-skinned and winged flesh-like <laughs> being. Um, the core of the Green Knight tale involves a duel between the Green Knight and Sir Gawain. Is it Gawain or Gawain? Gawain, Gawain. It depends on your, your flavor that you prefer to savor. But I think mm-hmm. both are acceptable. Unless I'm making a total ass of myself, in which case... I don't I'm know crackling. Welsh, so I have no idea. Gawain. the knight arrives at a sort of court fest and issues a challenge to everyone there uh he will allow one man to strike him once with his axe with the condition that he will return the blow the next year king arthur steps up to take the challenge but sir gawain let's say it this way this time uh takes the bet instead to defend the king's honor decapitates the green knight and the Green Knight promptly takes his head, puts it back on, <laughs> and tells Gawain that uh, he should meet him at the Green Chapel uh, a year from that day to, uh, to take the same in return. And so much might and magic ensue, but the concept of an ominous, unstoppable doom enforced by an otherworldly and headless figure are, are there. Very cool. Um, so yeah, all this is to say that if you've never been to the Hudson River Valley in upstate New York, give it a visit. It's a beautiful part of North America, but uh, especially this time of year, I defy anyone not to get just a little bit of an eerie feeling as they travel around that area. For sure.
1: Well, that was very fun. I, I appreciate the, I always like the folklore stuff. We don't get to do a ton of that on here because we like to do a lot of sciencey things. Indeed. And you know, Indeed. we're not trying to disprove folklore, but it's really cool to explore the origins behind folklore and see how, how stories get spread and stuff. And, uh, and those are all fun stories. It's cool to see how they all tie together.
0: Woo. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I've been struggling to find feasibly scientific type phenomena that we could sink our teeth into. Yeah, um, particularly at least in this instance with New York State, we've already covered some things that were maybe a little more science adjacent, and right. I was left. With many, many, many different forms of haunted house or um, <laughs> yep. one petroglyph, which sounded kind of cool. And uh-huh. then there's the Lake George mystery spot, ah, uh-huh. uh, which is this kind of interesting auditory situation, which uh, maybe I'll do in like a Minnesota or something.
1: Oh, maybe we, um, we've we had some requests recently of our episode suggestions on the Discord that I think are all good suggestions. So thanks listeners for doing our, our jobs for us. <laughs> yeah, thanks guys. Yeah. Um, one suggestion was to do more auditory weirdness stuff. Ah, weird spooky well, there sounds there Stuff like that, so that would be a cool episode to do soon.
0: I will keep my notes. I, Siri, before I pass it over to you, mm-hmm. I would very much like to mention a groovy little brewery in Western Mass that combines dungeons, dragons, loudness, <laughs> music, hops, and yeast, and time. <laughs> and a little bit of water. To make beer. Some and barley. a little bit of water. Yeah, just a little bit. To make beer. Also some barley. Also barley. Which, as you may have guessed, (laughs) means that we are talking about four phantoms. (laughs) What else could it be? What else could it be? If I said something else, everyone would freak out. (laughs) But yeah, four phantoms. They officially have a super cool brick and mortar, certifiably patronizable tavern uh, nestled in another spooky, cozy pocket uh, of New England, Greenfield, Massachusetts. Mm Mm-hmm open for all standard american drinking days from the thirstiest to the holiest and that is specifically four to nine on thursdays <laughs> and a similar window uh on friday saturday and sunday if you are still planning your trip or live in another country please do check out net to see their hours quaffable offerings and awesome merch quafferings quafferings better memberships to four phantoms as a super fan as far as i know are still available uh so if you're a local listener who lives in western mass or somewhere around new england get you one and uh maybe we will even meet up in person for a pint hell yeah definitely and, uh,
1: definitely you and Wyatt can I, I it's a little bit more of a hike for me but i'll try my best uh i said
0: we <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, do check them out. Four Phantoms rules, and we love them. Thank you for Phantoms.
1: Thanks, for Phantoms. I'm contributing. Okay, on to the next thing.
0: Jake, take me away.
1: So for starters, I have an article from werewolves.com by oh boy, Megan like Borchard or dot uh, Werewolves.com combines the very compatible interests of
0: dogs and paranormal research. I thought it was going to be... Dogs, paranormal research, and organic farming.
1: Could be. <laughs> just get like, all together in there. Did I ever mention that Lauren did some wolfing in Europe for a while? No. Yeah, she did. So she went all through, like, let's see, Ireland, uh, Scotland, I think in the Shetlands, and then a oh. little bit of Norway. Um, That's cool so shit. cool. She is in a Nova documentary episode about what? Viking history. She just She was on the farm where this one researcher wanted to come to the island where the farm happened to be. To ask if they could dig on site to find some Viking-like kind of ruins that she found from satellite imagery. I think not. She uh, the person the the and... the professor. <laughs> and so then in like a time lapse, Lauren is there, um, just helping dig up these ruins. It's super fucking cool. <laughs>
0: that is so gosh darn cool. Lauren has a, something of a Viking-ish appearance too. I mean, in the best way. Yeah, Does she have some... a lineage that goes back to? I know there's some German. I don't know
1: uh, about any further north than that. But yeah, as far mm. as the Teutonic nature of the marples, uh very blonde. Yes. Um, I don't know. I gotta ask.
0: <laughs> With strong strong handsome facial features. Yeah. Unlike us. That's right. We have weak ugly yeah. facial features. Flimsy facial features. <laughs> yes. Very breakable, just one knuckle sandwich away from destruction.
1: Uh huh. If you punch me, it just caves into the shape of your fist and just stays that way. <laughs> forever <laughs> yeah. or you, it's you like if you just squish really a, a flat like a, a deflated basketball and smush it in it just stays <laughs> in there anyway in 1971 a small town Vermont school dance started just like any other I was school in Vermont by the way I guess I should preface with that <laughs> oh yeah nobody cares come on like many teenagers one group was enjoying some drinks in a sand pit before going to the dance did you have a sand pit anywhere near where you grew up and uh Springfield, which was like a sand pit people, people hung out in.
0: I mean, some people call Springfield the sand pit of Massachusetts.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a sand pit right across the river from my parents' house, which is, you know, it's, it's. I mean, right across the river as the crow flies. You can see it. We're right up on a hill.
0: It's up on a hill. You can see it across the river. Hold, hold up. Wait. Okay, you've confused me. Sorry. In Maine, where my parents live. they live Right all- across the river from my parents' house. Yes. There's a sand pit you can see up the hill. No, they are they're on a
1: hill the sand pit is partly a hill you can look across the river from the hill my parents live on and see the sand pit across the river there i'll take a picture next week
0: wait the hill is a pit there's your parents live on a sand pit <laughs> there's a sand pit in the same town it's nearby it's great
1: um, and it includes like big banks that go up this, that make a hill it's also sand it comes down with pit it's uh we just caught that but anyway the thing is all the only summer, big banks
0: i know is tyra banks she's really
1: famous <laughs> what's happening all summer long you can hear just machine gun fire all the time <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Not machine gun but like just a lot of like Are clearly just firing guns not the pit? particularly legal sounding um rate right yeah people just shoot guns out there it's just a thing you do in central maine i guess that's um, about right so, yeah, I was not so, so surprised by the idea of that being just a common hangout place in Vermont as well. Kids were drinking there before the dance, and then uh, suddenly they all came running into the dance, some of them crying, all of them very panicked, and no one could believe what had gotten them so upset. They described sitting at the sandpit, laughing and joking, when all of a sudden, out of the woods jumped a creature. It was tall, naked, and covered in white hair. Ooh. It walked on its back legs and had the head... Of a pig. Oh, God. Many thought the teens were pulling a prank or were just confused and drunk. Some traveled back to the sandpit to see if they could spot the creature themselves. When they did not find it, they did see where the grass was trampled down, seeming to go off into the woods. Ugh. The Pig Man of Northfield, Vermont, as he came to be called, would be seen again. Oh, God. Usually, sightings occurred near an area known as the Devil's Washbowl. Course. the area was near a river and waterfalls and was littered with caves upon inspection of one of the caves it was found to be filled with animal bones and cloven hoof prints Ugh. the courageous trespassers found a pile of hay but no fire Rumors spread that the pig man must eat the animal's raw as there was no source of heat to cook Ugh. Uh, other rumors speculated that the pig man was actually Sam Harris a seventeen year old boy who had gone missing in the hills in 1951 mm. Late one Halloween night, he set off with a carton of eggs to do some Halloween tricking and never came back. Hmm. Some say he was possessed by the devil that fateful night, because why not? Uh, They say after his possession, he spent his days slaughtering pigs, eating everything but their bones. When he was done, he would hollow out a pig's head and wear it like a mask over his own. Boy, oh boy. Uh, He apparently caused his mother a terrible fright one night after she found him on her porch is rumored to have left her the bloody entrails of a pig that he sat eating with glee. Ugh, God. Uh, I, I, this is this is the only instance of this story I have found that includes this detail. It's also the only one to go into so much detail regarding the pigman's definitely being Sam Harris, because most other accounts seem to uh, be equally convinced that Harris was actually eaten by the pig man when he went missing. Ugh. Uh, in general, if you find yourself in the woods south of Montpelier you are virtually guaranteed to encounter the (laughs) Pigman. What are your thoughts so far on the Pigman?
0: I mean, it's got a very, I mean, the imagery is spooky, but it's got a very classic. Straight up urban legend, legend, definitely.
1: Um, Now, does the name Joe Citro ring any bells?
0: It weirdly does, but I don't know why.
1: That is because he presented at the International Cryptology Conference back in 2018, Uh, the one we went to. That's cool. Uh, and then we talked about that conference in uh, way back in episode 41. Way, way, way back. Wow. Uh, he talked about his book, The Vermont Monster Guide. And he generally seemed like a fun guy, as I recall. And from reading this this interview I have, he's some interview stuff from the Burlington publication, Seven Days. As I talked about him and his kind of whole gestalt, it seems like, yeah, I, I seem to recall why we kind of liked him when we, when we saw him give his little talk that first morning of the thing. Mm-hmm so i have uh that's, that's his injury stuff so when citra was giving a talk in northfield in the late 90s a man by the name of jeff hatch stood up to ask if the intrepid local folklorist had ever heard of a creature that terrorized his high school dance back in 1971 the high school group reported having seen a human-like creature covered in white hair bound over the hill kicking up sand when hatch and other partygoers followed the pack to the pit of course we didn't see anything he says except for cloven markings in the sand Ew. So now suddenly we, the obvious urban legend kind of sound is actually grounded in at least the reality of a real person claiming to yeah. have been there when the sighting was first reported. So like he he was right. there when they came running in, scared and stuff, and then he went there to see if they could find anything. So it's like, okay, so the urban legend part of it sounds like at least part of it was true. People did mm-hmm. apparently see a thing. Uh, around the same time, Hatch says, people's dogs and cats started coming up missing. One resident of Turkey Hill, a part of Payne Mountain, reported hearing something rattling around in his trash can. According to Hatch, the guy expected to shoot away raccoons, but instead, when the thing stood up, it was all white and covered in hair. Hmm. Uh, Reports gathered by uh, by Hatch placed the creature at somewhere between five foot five and six feet, with a pig-like snout and beady eyes. Oh boy, God. Yeah, so our our main source on the matter has not seen the creature himself, but he knows of some people who have. <laughs> so then we're getting back into some of the more urban, legendary kind of pieces again. Like, oh, I know a guy who knows a guy. But, like, I mean, it's it, not quite as many layers removed as that. but um.
0: Hey, works works for BFRO, am I right? Totally. Now, I first
1: <laughs> myself heard of the pig man back when I was still in college in Vermont. And I went to St. Mike's up in uh, the Burlington area in a town called Colchester, right on the border of Winooski. I don't remember where I first read about it. I don't know if I was looking for local legends for some reason, just because I like that stuff already, or if I was... What well, I don't know what it was, but I definitely was very intrigued when I saw the pig man. A little different from your usual like champ or just Bigfoot stuff. <laughs> or the horse man or the uh, cat man. Right. Uh, one of the details I liked, and which I could not find again now for the life of me, is the suggestion that once people had this monster idea in their head, they were primed mm. to see it anywhere. And specifically someone who rounded a corner in the woods walking one night and suddenly saw a skinned bear hanging from a tree that was cited as a possible explanation for sightings of this just weird creature Ooh, in the woods God. which that would be a pretty pretty shocking sight to Intense suddenly see
0: thing to see yeah
1: and whether or not they already had the pig man legend in mind at the time like if you saw something like that and just suddenly right away you're like, i saw something i have no idea what it was but it was big and looked horrible Ugh. So that was a cool kind of explanation offered up for this thing that I, I, I liked because it's just a unique a unique explanation for weird woods monsters I haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. Citro refers to Hatch as the Pigman historian, adding it's very likely that if not for Jeff Hatch the story of Pigman would never have gotten out at all. Wow. That's sure your
0: whether to uh, think or
1: say <laughs> Curs. no thank you. <laughs> yeah,
0: <right>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> When he was in high school,
1: Hatch's favorite party spot was Bean's Pig Farm, an abandoned Gross. Ass- <laughs> <Yeah. God. laughs> an abandoned assemblage of barns that was once home to what he described as five hundred pound monster pigs. So Ugh. no longer a pig farm but it used to be. Uh, it was not uncommon, he says, to see something run into the brush while he was hanging out there. Just up the road is Devil's Wash Bowl where Hatch had his most immediate pigman experience. He describes it as a nice drive, especially at night. The trees overhang the road and it's dark and creepy. The perfect place for this story to take place. Huh. Uh, hiking the area at night, he believes he found what he was seeking Pigman's lair. A bed of straw in one corner was surrounded by piles of small animal bones, like maybe from yeah. cats and dogs. So, this is where we get that detail as told in the urban legendified version of someone finding the pigman lair, seeing the, the pile of straw and, and animal bones there. Um, so, it's like, all right, well. Supposedly, this guy actually did see that stuff, whatever that might mean. Wow. That night, and on other occasions, Hatch says he heard a real high-pitched screech that would kind of circle you. Ugh. Which pretty creepy um, thing to imagine if you're out there in the woods looking for a monster, and then you just have this sound
0: all I around mean, you. Even if you weren't looking for a monster, Not that too, would be you know, that's what an is. upsetting experience. <laughs> I suppose
1: that is that is true. I think if but I was regardless. already primed
0: looking for a monster and I heard that, that would be... I would evaporate, essentially. (laughs)
1: Uh, Naturally, Citro had to see this place for himself. Citro showed seven days' photos he took in the washbowl, which he says, do nothing to convey its utter weirdness. Its temperature, he says, is, quote, misaligned with the rest of the world. So Mm. temperature-wise, I mean, you could go to certain areas where it's just like kind of, especially when there's a lot of karst uh, geology around there, where there's a lot of caves and things. So you could easily be in a little kind of patch where I bet you could get air flow coming from maybe underground. Mm-hmm. It would feel way colder than everything else. It wouldn't feel
0: right and you wouldn't be able to put your finger on why. I've noticed too, we have a bike trail that goes from our town of East Hampton up to Northampton, which mm-hmm. is maybe two, three miles. Easy bike ride. And on the way, we pass through, I don't even know. I mean, it's just a really small little sort of bog kind of spot. Mm-hmm. But in the summertime, it's considerably chillier there. At night hmm. Than elsewhere And you even feel Like you feel like You smash into a wall of cold hmm. When you bike past it And I wonder if there isn't Something to it In that regard as well That's all. Interesting That's very cool And like As we kind of talked about In your segment as well The, the
1: atmosphere Really Oh If you yeah. have a spooky atmosphere It goes a long way When it comes to the proliferation Of spooky stories Oh my gosh yes And uh Yeah so it sounds like This particular area of Vermont Has similar vibes To that part of New York hmm. Uh but Pigman failed to show his face when Citro went to visit, or even Howell he says quote, If I felt something weird, but nothing really tangible. The writer admits, I was just so programmed at that point that there would be that there would be something weird. I was on <laughs> my guard, so there's the priming hey, situation we always we always plan on. And, he, and he he was pretty happy, honest a uh, yeah, yep.
0: faithful description of one's own experience, nothing wrong with that,
1: yeah. Uh, though
0: the Vermont Monster
1: Guide lists Pigman as active from 1971 to present, neither Citro nor Hatch is aware of recent sightings. As the book brings Pigman publicity, that may change. Citro suggests, quote, he's much more likely to be heard or spotted if people know about him. Hmm. Other than the, arc- the article Straight goes up. on. The article goes on then to say, "Does that say something about the power of suggestion in shaping a legend?" Huh. Yes. <laughs> Citro shies away from de- <laughs> shies away from debunking or strenuously doubting the tales he collects, whether they concern pigman or "quote unquote" long leggedy cats that an acquaintance spotted. <laughs> uh, he says that while pigman may or may not exist, the fear and wonder of people who saw him was legitimate, and he's proud to have the pigman exclusive. This general approach of his, as far as like. You know appreciating the stories, not totally dismissing them, but also you know acknowledging just the importance of people's belief in them as being you know its own separate thing mm. beyond just the story itself. That's kind of the approach I remember from his talk at the conference several years ago, so mm. yeah, it seems like he seems like a neat guy, yeah, not that Citro doesn't make any judgments. He says he'd place the quote unquote porcine peculiarity as he like to call it porcine the porcine uh uh porcine peculiarity. Porcine. <laughs> Uh, somewhere in the middle of his continuum that starts with the absolutely true and ends with the fanciful, like the man eating stone. Wow. Yeah. Was the man eating stone part of the Bennington Triangle that you covered way back? I don't
0: know. It feels like it should slot right in there, doesn't it, though?
1: I feel like it might have been part. Of, I don't remember what episode that was, but it was, it out there, but it was yeah, the Bennington Triangle is another weird, spooky area in Vermont. So, uh, with, with that covered and champ being a thing I didn't want to bother to do because it's so overdone, uh, it did kind of make it hard to narrow down what in Vermont to cover, and I ended up with the big man. Hey. Uh, the Monster Guide also covers, quote-unquote, monsters that are perfectly real, just odd enough to be startling. So there's an entry for catamounts, which were once thought to have vacated the state, mm. such a belief, he's seen one of the big cats himself. Oh, wow. Catamounts, for listeners, un, uh, the uninitiated, are the weird Vermont term for cougars slash mountain lions slash pumas slash panthers. Poomers. Pumers. Pumers. Slash panthers. Uh, Which I guess we don't actually have a consistent name anywhere in the continent of North America for that type of cat. Uh, Alternatively, a catamount is the quantity of cat required to be considered an apex predator.
0: Really? Okay. Oh, my God. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well done.
1: So, anyway, (laughs) wherever we think we're landing here. Sounds like Citro uh, isn't willing to fully dismiss it as an urban legend, but I'm likewise not inclined to believe it beyond some weird thing that happened in the 70s. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's got... All of the uh, classic flags of an urban legend yeah. should be embraced and celebrated as such. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Even knowing that it may be nothing but a tale is more than enough to have me creeped out. We were actually just driving through northern Vermont last weekend. Ah. And, uh, I was right. The it would not take kingdom? much more than a nudge to get me creeped out of my fucking mind on those back roads. <laughs> it's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. But you feel out there. Hmm, and I like that Pigman really puts the in between okay <laughs> I'm glad
1: we both got to have some awful wordplay at the end of the segment here. Hey. <laughs> uh, I do so I do totally believe that some teens back then maybe did see something strange that night didn't know what it was I'd love to know what it could have been more of a description of what it could have been that they yeah were saying that they yeah and, and if You know, people said that the style of footprints afterward, maybe even cloven-hoofed footprints. You know, fucking moose are there. They're huge. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be something that would be upright and have white hair. That'd be a very different thing. Mm -hmm. Depending on the time of year, you could have ghost moose. I mean, I don't know how much of a deal winter ticks were at the time as far as...
0: A ghost moose being a moose with... Really pale skin and fur after
1: winter Mm -hmm. when they have been ravaged by winter ticks and have been trying to scratch off all their fur, basically. So, I don't know I don't know what it could have been, but it's, uh, mm. it would have been interesting to have seen what they saw. But a humanoid pig or a bloodthirsty, a bloodthirsty feral human, I'd
0: say it is not. No, indeed. And very that's my, cool. And that is my very story fun. of The Pigman. Uh, the Pigman. I like it very much. And good to remember, too, that really the only thing separating a good word play and bad is and.
1: And now it's time for Pander, the segment where we turn on this machine, the uh, NCAA, and I'll turn it on now. There it is. And we thank our Patreon patrons for helping contribute to the show by warning each of them individually about the different critters, creatures, monsters, thingies out in the world they personally need to be on the lookout for. Oh, yeah. The Pander segment, of course, stands for... Patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk. And uh, all we got to do is just plug these tendrils into the backs of our skulls, get our there brains hooked up to the dark Ooh. ether. Mm. And uh, we're ready now to focus on Here we go. Robert, Robert H, H. of Kansas, Kansas City, Kansas City Missouri. Missouri. Robert, watch out for. Chigao, Chigao, oh Chigao! I have no idea. C- oh, oh Chigao! You found it. Okay, thankfully the uh, we were just downloaded a um, a pronunciation guide for the name of the Sumatran yes. golden lion.
0: We only have the uh, pronunciation module for a handful of words. You would think that in all the dark ether you'd have a lot of pronunciation modules. We have not um, been so some of lucky. these are tongues that we cannot actually speak without dying. So, <laughs> it'd be very careful. Yes. Um. But, yeah, Robert, uh, I don't know if you like cats or not. I don't know if you like the color yellow or not. I don't know if you like Indonesia or not. But I would avoid all three. Um, It is a big old ostensibly keychain yellow. It's so bright. It looks like lion. Like surge. It looks like a a cat made out of the drink surge. (laughs) Um, located on in the Indonesian island of Sumatra. Yes, Sumatra golden lion. Mm-hmm. It's golden color. Downloading It's, more cat.
1: it's yellow and a cat. Jesus Christ! Um,
0: it supposedly killed a man in damn. the middle of the night in the 1960s. So wow. a long night that must have been. And if you're planning any kind of trip to Sumatra, think again. Honestly, I don't know. Or at know. least I don't just know. don't
1: be there at nighttime. Or if you have to be there at nighttime, just uh, protect your uh, stomach disemboweled <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> exactly.
0: by the Chigao.
1: And thank you so much for we supporting us. We really appreciate it. A uh, very interesting Patreon.
0: creature to be on the lookout for. Yes. Um, now we're getting another... I can feel another name yes. coming in. Kaya, Kaya J. of St. Paul, Saint Paul Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota.
1: Oh, I'm so dumb. <laughs> St. Paul, Minneapolis, known as the Twin Cities. Um, uh-huh. St. Paul, Minnesota, the capital of Minnesota, right next door. Anyway, uh, guy, watch out about Altamaha. Alti Also known as Alti. It's encrypted in the Altamaha, Altamaha River in southern Georgia uh, of North America. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting way to phrase that. Uh, Why in not? A, in addition to many sightings, it has been the subject of many myths and lore, during the time of its discovery by the Tlaltelpam, by the t- local Tama people in uh, in Georgia. Predates now,
0: despite what artist renderings may suggest, it is described as having a sturgeon-like body. So I would say for all intents and purposes it is a sturgeon.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, swims like a dolphin or a porpoise, it has a snout of a crocodile, but it also could just be a sturgeon, a sturgeon. which has a long snout. <laughs>
0: And a scaled, very, very prominently scaled body. Uh-huh. I would say avoid sturgeons. Yeah, and do not do not follow the artist renderings. No,
1: except maybe. Uh, I don't know. This one looks more sturgeon. Guess so.
0: Kind of looks like a. Um, what is that dolphin called? The river dolphin. River dolphin. Thank you.
1: River? I don't know. But uh, yeah. Also speaking of sturgeon, I think we both need to update our profile pictures on our website. I have my picture holding that stereo oh, yeah. They're both just very old pictures so we should we should put some new ones in there. You're but a child. It was like in my mid twenties. Anyway guys thank you so much.
0: Thank for you very much. Us. We really Our do picture. appreciate your support. It's a blast to get to beat the show and just a treat to know you guys are enjoying it enough to mm-hmm. throw your cold hard and well-earned cash at it. Mm-hmm. If you are a listener still debating whether you would like to sign up. We have many, many fun perks behind the paywall, including outtakes, mini sodes, and you know, at really any tier, you can have your name entered into this uh, pander function. There's also glug suck excess, That's which right. uh, is a thing that I'll just leave up yep. in the air. And you very get discounts on merch. And very you get to talk over Jake. <laughs> very and
1: but importantly, right now, if you are one of the next 12, countdown is getting pretty close, 12 subscribers to our Patreon, you will qualify for a Belgian beer glass, tulip-style glass with our logo on it. It's gorgeous. And if you live in the greater Twin Cities area, I will hand deliver it. Shout out to Melanie and her husband, uh, who delivered their glass on uh, the other day. And I, I did I did um, not just show up unannounced, so I want, to know, I want you to know that if you... If you live nearby, I'm not going to just pop over there and knock on your <laughs> door. I will check with you first. So, Kaya, for example, in St. Paul, I work at the Bell Museum in St. Paul. I could stop by if you want, give you your glass, whatever you feel like. Let me know. Uh, but, yeah, you'll get a glass mailed to you from me, hopefully not broken. If it is broken, I'll make another one. And uh, if you do not make the cut of the first 100 of our patrons, as the next 12 will get us to 100, There's still a chance because if you are a patron for a year, your anniversary gift from us is that same glass anyway. And if you don't want to wait a year, but you're also past the 100 deadline, you can sign up with Patreon's really cool annual plan where you get a discount on the cost of a full year plan. I think it's 12 months for the cost of 10 and you get the glass right away.
0: There you go. One year, two lip, glass for beer. And (laughs) how can you lose? That's right. Content? bonus material and a swingy glass keep the lights on in the show
1: for that I think we should unplug these from our brains oh yeah there we go feels there much better it does so thank you all for listening please consider rating and reviewing the show especially on Apple Podcasts it really helps uh, boost them stats get us more visibility find more listeners just like you do listen to the show which is neat we like when that happens that's why we make the show is for it to be heard <laughs>
0: exactly um, get us out there, and uh we love you if you're if you're listening to this and it's thanksgiving have a happy thanksgiving and uh remember how cruel um people were when they first came to the country yeah, uh what are we
1: doing next time so next next as we're recording this the very next Thursday is thanksgiving itself, so I don't know if we're going to have one then. I'm going to put this one out later, or we'll have another one after that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, as for what the topic should be, maybe we should do our mysterious sounds thing. That was uh, suggested oh, by yeah. Gene. I mean, why not?
0: Let's dive right in. So we'll make, Gene um, of Germany. You know, thank we're about you for- to be eating a lot of food. Our bodies typically make some weird noises, so <laughs> yes. why not? We'll journey into sound. Yes.
1: So let's, uh, let's do that next time, and we'll see you, quote unquote, next time. i got to stop talking. Bye. Bye.